Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of JK with John and Kate. I'm Kate Scanlon, here with my friend John Street, and we are here to talk about the news of the day, live from the swamp. John, how are you tonight? Technically, we're not live. I realized I said that True. last time. I just like that intro, swamp. though. I know, I it's like it too. It's kind of catchy. Screw accuracy, you know? <laughs> John is opening the podcast by admitting to be fake news, so we're off to a great start. I mean, this is going to be great. Uh, so live, live from the swamp, but not really. We just like go the way it, it sounds. Go it, we'll go with it. <laughs> um, so believe everything we say except when we say live from the swamp. Fair, fair. So what was your original question? I said, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. How good, are you? Good, I'm glad. I'm all right. So let's uh Are let's you going to take started. charge of this show? Or? I'm taking charge of the show right now. Let's get started okay, on cool. uh, the slew of sexual harassment and misconduct allegations happening in Congress right now. So um, for those of you who are behind, um, you have, first of all, Senator Al Franken was um, caught because there's photographic evidence. Quite um, literally caught. Quite literally caught. Um, sexually harassing a, a woman who is now a radio host who came out and made that public. Tweed was um, her name. Or is yes, her name. Yes. Um, and then in addition to Senator Franken, you have um, Representative John Conyers, who's accused of sexually harassing um, women who worked for him over the years. And you have um, also came out this week um, Republican Representative Blake Farenthold, who um, we discovered via Politico paid uh, $84,000 to settle a sexual harassment allegation. It's a lot um, of money. Brought by a former colleague out of a congressional slush fund. Uh, so that's taxpayer money. He is now saying he will reimburse the taxpayer um, At least for in the that. case of Fahrenheit, we, we know which member of Congress yes. paid the um, taxpayer money. Yes, to... and that's kind of coming to light amid all these allegations is how um, members of Congress are able to kind of shield themselves with this slush fund. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see um, what comes out in the days and months ahead because the, the lawsuit that the former employee brought against um, Fahrenheit was um, actually reported at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the amount of the settlement never was um, because it was mediated out of court. Right. So it's fascinating to discover how much money the taxpayers are apparently spending on this. Um, but I want to specifically focus on the John Conyers situation right now because I find that particularly fascinating for several reasons. Um, so first of all, you had you had the Al Franken allegations kind of happen first. He was mm -hmm. the first. I mean, people in Congress are accused of things all the time and, Everything and get up to all kinds sun, of nonsense yeah. all the time. But um, amid this current news cycle that we're in, where all these things are kind of coming to light. Al Franken was really the first sitting member of Congress to be um, publicly named, really, right. as one of the problems. Um, so then you had John Conyers second. Um, I think it was. I believe so, but, yeah. But um, that situation is fascinating because it seems very likely that John Conyers might be forced out of his seat, but there really hasn't been much movement towards forcing Al Franken out of his. Right, and, and, and that's been my source of frustration slash just real, I just, I, I've been so curious about this as to why this is the case because you have Nancy Pelosi, the House Minority 
leader calling for Conyers, with whom she's served for years mm-hmm. in Congress, calling for him to resign. But at the same time, the silence is deafening when it comes to people um, calling for Franken to resign. And mm-hmm. I'm Another... not, I really haven't even heard many Republican senators calling for Franken to resign, which is... Yes, a lot of them are withholding that statement pending the ethics investigation that he's about to undergo. So that could be significant. Here's um, here's my thought on that. Um, when you're in the private sector and you're accused of what Franken has been accused of, or quite frankly, not even accused of, like we know he did it because there's photographic there's evidence. Yeah. And, and yet he is allowed to still do his job, still get paid, while there's a so-called ethics investigation by his Senate colleagues, some of whom, quite frankly, might want him to stay because they're in his party. Um, in the private sector, that would never happen, and it doesn't happen. We've seen that happen in the private sector. We've seen These people either get fired Matt immediately, i.e. Matt Lauer. Yeah. Props to NBC for doing that, by the way. Or they're suspended for a certain amount of time without pay, and later fired. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show the lower standard that our so-called public servants um, are held to. And it, it, I mean, that, that's just a major, major source of frustration for me. It was amazing too um, to watch how Nancy Pelosi chose to handle this. Um, because at first, so these allegations kind of came to light. At first he was an icon. Yes, you had, um, for, at, at the very first um, day this story was kind of breaking into to everyone's consciousness, they, um, the women were not named because they were subject to you know, privacy agreements and, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But eventually um, the women were identified and they came forward with their stories and um, it, seems, it all seems pretty credible, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all pretty airtight. And um, so then you had Nancy Pelosi go on a Sunday show and be asked about these. Um, oh, he's an icon. Yes, by NBC's Chuck Todd. Asked uh, the minority leader what she thought of, should should John Conyers resign, and she said... Oh, he's an icon. And, oh, you know, this and that. He's an icon. He's done so much for women. The Violence Against Women Act, all this yeah. stuff. Um, which was, which was a fascinating thing to say for the leader of a party who holds itself up as the party of women. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And here you have women who are coming forward alleging this kind of behavior. It doesn't matter who did it. it Talk about hypocritical. The, the man, the man voted for the Violence Against Women Act. Uh, I mean, kind of perpetuating. Well, yeah, while that. he was perpetuating, right. <laughs> not. I mean, maybe not violence, right. but certainly not good behavior yeah. toward women. Yeah. So it was just fascinating how um, Nancy Pelosi chose to handle it. And then so days go by. She's forced to issue a statement, by the way, later Sunday because there's – it wasn't – and then I love when politicians do this, by the way, and I'm being a little bit sarcastic right now. But when they say something ridiculous and then they're like, oh, the other side of the aisle is already hitting me for this. Well, maybe that's because you said something ridiculous. you know. And Republicans and Democrats both do it. Watch that formulation. You'll see that happen all the time. It drives me crazy. And Nancy Pelosi is particularly guilty of this. She does this very often. Um, and so anyway, she, she basically says, oh, the right wing is already attacking me for calling him an icon. Well, maybe that's 
maybe because maybe it's because you should have, have said it. it in the first. So place. then it actually wasn't just the quote unquote right wing, um, as I tried to point out in some of my subsequent coverage of this. Um, Vox.com actually mm-hmm. ran a very, very good, clear, concise article about why that was a problem, how mm-hmm. she chose to handle this. And the title was something to the effect of Nancy Pelosi is that woman, <laughs> that woman who makes it difficult for other women to come forward. Yep. And the case was really, and this is Vox.com. This is not, you know. Not exactly Breitbart Exactly. Um, so it, it wasn't just Republicans or conservatives criticizing the minority leader for this. She bungled this really badly. Mm-hmm. And so she was forced to issue a statement later in the day saying, you know, of course the victims deserve to be listened to and, and so on and so forth. Um, so then this was this all happened Sunday and mm-hmm. then last week. And then Thursday rolls around her weekly press conference that she does. Mm-hmm. And she's asked about this again. And then she says, finally, I think John Conyers should resign. Now, what's also fascinating about this is Thursday was the day John Conyers was hospitalized. Talk about having a bad and, day. Yes. And his spokesman attributed the hospitalization to stress. stress. Now, whether or not that's was true. He 88 years old? Yes. Yeah. Whether or not that's true, whether or not he could have avoided the stress by behaving better, those are separate Maybe issues. Maybe just like not sexually harassed. Exactly. Women. Exactly. But leaving all of that off the table, Nancy Pelosi chose the day he was hospitalized to call for his resignation. So I just don't know how much more poorly and I thought it was she could interesting. have done this. And to her credit, she finally did it. Yeah. Which is more than I can say for Chuck Schumer. True. About his caucus. True. In his chamber. But... I also found it interesting that Nancy Pelosi called for Conyers to resign before Paul Ryan did. Now, granted... Her, because of the order yes, of the press conferences. Her press conferences prior to hers. Pri- yes. is, is prior to Paul Ryan's every Thursday, back-to-back press conferences on Thursday from Capitol Hill. And so Nancy Pelosi came out first and addressed the press and called for Conyers to resign. And then Paul Ryan came out and said, basically, yeah, what she said. Paul Ryan doesn't typically lightly call for people to resign. I mean, especially when you're Speaker of the House, it has to be pretty significant, pretty concrete reasons, I think, for that to happen. So I, it would have been fascinating to see if Nancy Pelosi had dodged that question, right. how Paul Ryan would have answered that question. I'm kind of torn as to whether or not he would have given her time to keep her own house in order, essentially. Right. As a, You know what I mean? As I like think, a courtesy, or if he would have just said, yeah, I think he should go. I think he did not expect her, Pelosi, to call for Conyers to resign, because I think... Um, if he did expect her to do that, I think he would have at least issued a statement before she went out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, quite frankly, I think the optics of that were, it, it seems like they were slow to the punch. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan's team, that yeah. is. Um, and then it does raise fascinating questions as to why the Democrat Party is choosing to call for the resignation of John Conyers, but not Al Franken. And John Conyers' lawyer essentially attributed that at one point this week to racism. He didn't use the word, but that's kind of what he implied. And at some point, you know, you got to ask, again, there's photographic evidence for Mm -hmm. Al Franken. So it's hard to see with if that's if John Conyers is kind of the litmus test of what's going to not be tolerated in Congress. It's hard to see why Al Franken would get to stay. Right. Um, I I think maybe... 
age plays into it as well. Kanye yeah, is the true. oldest member in the house, mm-hmm. um, and or the longest serving member in the house. Um, and so I think there's just kind of this sense of, well, it's time for him to go anyway. So let's just make this the reason to boot him out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, Franken's not young, but I mean, he's, you know, by Senate standards, he's young, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of sexual misconduct, there were developments in the Alabama Senate race today. Um, so it's far from the Democrats who, just the Democrats who have these issues. I love uh, they the are rampant in the GOP as well. I love the CNN um, cry on today that Trump accuses, or uh, Trump endorses accused child molester Roy Moore. I mean, it's strong, but it's... Um, pretty much accurate. That's, no, it's accurate. That's, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, unfortunate, but there we go. My roommate just walked in, so that created a bit of an awkward moment. Hi, Tyler. Hello. That's Tyler. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fascinating. The White House was choosing to distance themselves initially um, when this happened by saying, you know, the president wasn't going to campaign for him and all this stuff. And then, you know, this morning Trump hops on Twitter and essentially says, you know, he has my full support. Um which is an interesting way of playing this. Trump to say the also least. called uh, Roy yes. Moore's campaign. Yes. And, and, oh my gosh, and said, go get him, Roy. Mm-hmm. Which, as Jake Tapper pointed out today on his show, The Lead on CNN, it's not exactly the best thing to say to an accused child molester, go yeah. get him, Roy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole situation is just fascinating because you essentially had... So when all of this was happening, it's, it's been fascinating to watch kind of the disparity between um, how the party leadership in Congress, leaving Trump off the table, mm-hmm. um, chose to handle their respective scandals. You had Mitch McConnell essentially say, if Roy Moore is elected to the Senate, he's immediately going to face an ethics investigation. Right. And to the point where it came out so strongly that Roy Moore is essentially running a campaign not so much against Doug Jones as he is against Mitch McConnell... And the entire um, Republican and the entire, establishment. Yeah, he's yeah. essentially running this campaign saying, you know, Mitch. he essentially claimed that Mitch McConnell planted the story to keep him out of the Senate because he's too conservative for Mitch McConnell, which is ridiculous because on several levels, one of which being if Mitch McConnell is just going to lie, why wouldn't he have done that during the primary right. when it was easier instead of waiting and making this mess now? Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You would have ha- at least had... Luther Strange in the primary to right. fall back on. Now you um, have, and it's too late to put in another I'm, Republican I'm candidate. Right. All you have is the potential um, writing, which we'll get to so later. So now Mitch McConnell has essentially said it's up to the people of Alabama mm-hmm. to decide who their next senator is going to be. And everyone's kind of, there have been a lot of characterizations of that as like backing down on Roy Moore. But um, to be honest, I don't really see it that way because, I mean, he did what he could do at the time. Mm-hmm. He called for Roy Moore to drop out. I thought it was I thought it was and interesting to see the the about face that Mitch McConnell did and calling for Roy Moore to drop out and then a matter of really days later saying, Well, we'll let the people of Alabama But I out. again though, I feel like Roy Moore didn't do what Mitch McConnell no. suggested that he do and so now I think Mitch McConnell's just kinda saying, Well like this is the reality of the situation. And I think that's different than, like, quote-unquote backing down 
If that makes sense, I do see a distinction. There. Mm, I don't know. I, I think when you it's when fair. You, it's fair to criticize you, it. Like I'm not saying it's about criticism. I'm just saying. Yeah. No. I. I, I don't know that it's as bad as it's being characterized. I think. I, I think Mitch McConnell could have still said, "I think he should drop out." And I mean, it's a given. It, I mean, it's it's a given that. Remarks. Well, it's going to be up to the voters in Alabama. That's that's a given. People mm-hmm. know that. He's on the ballot. It's too late to get his name off the ballot. Why not just continue to call for him to drop out and make your position known? And, you know, I, I think that speaks a lot as to principles mm-hmm. and making sure that others know that you are a principled individual, which in Washington, I'm not sure those still exist. Those few days. far between. One of the principal voices in the Republican Party through this has been Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on day one tweeted that he believed Lee Korfman, who's a, who's the woman who's most significant in all of this because right. she's the one who was 14 when the alleged incident took place. Right. Um, that would have been child molestation. Yes. If, if that accusation yes. is true. And um, that I've would have seen... been a crime. And I see no evidence to suggest that it's not true, quite frankly. So, right. there's that. Um, so you had Mitt Romney immediately come out and say, this is disgusting, he has no place in the United States Senate. And he, he said, I believe Lee Korfman mm-hmm. was one of the direct quotes. And so again, today, after the president offered his support to Roy Moore, um, Mitt Romney said, again, Roy Moore doesn't belong in the United States Senate. And... Um, you know, there's no no majority should come at the cost of integrity, which this doesn't even this isn't even going to sway the majority. So that's that's the other thing in all of this. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been remarkable to watch who's chosen to be consistent during this and who has not. Here's here's the tweet from Mitt Romney um, since at 4:44 p.m. Uh, today on December 4th, Roy Moore in the U.S. Senate would be a stain on the GOP and on the nation. Lee Korfman, uh, the more accuser, and other victims are courageous heroes. No vote, no majority is worth losing our honor, our integrity. And this also, it should be noted, comes amid uh, Romney weighing his own bid for the United States Senate should Orrin Hatch retire. Um, now, it's not yet determined whether or not Orrin Hatch is going to do so, and Romney has said that he's not going to primary um, Orrin Hatch, who's been in that seat. A long time. Decades. Um, so Trump was in Utah speaking today yes. and not Said so subtly he, encouraged Orrin yes. Hatch to run again. Yes. Um, there are reports that Steve Bannon is considering sending his uh, political sway behind Orrin Hatch, which is fascinating because I thought these people wanted to drain the swamp. That's not exactly drain the swamp. But, um, and it, it's, it's just, it's fascinating to watch. Um, there have been, there was a, there's a really interesting op-ed in the Weekly Standard that I read this week. Um, I'll, I'll try to tweet the link out from our Twitter account so you guys can read it. That essentially made the case that a Roy Moore victory long-term is going to do more damage to the Republican Party and the pro-life cause, which is what everyone's citing as the reason not to vote for Doug Jones, who's right. to the left of Hillary Clinton right. on abortion. Um, and so essentially made the case that a Democrat in that seat until 2020 is going to do significantly less damage than 
the the um how should I phrase this? The collateral damage that Roy Moore would bring to the GOP every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of muted his whole shtick since he got the nomination. But I mean, this is guy. This is a guy who said that you know Muslims shouldn't be permitted to hold office in the United right. States. This is a guy who's um, was kicked off the state supreme court twice um, for disobeying either higher court law, higher court rulings, or other laws. Um, so I mean, this this is, and then you know you have this guy unleashed in Washington. Um, you know who knows what he's going to say and do, and the right. GOP is going to have to deal with that every single day. Yeah, and. You know, I just, if I'm a Republican, I don't know that it's worth it to deal with that, quite frankly. Caleb Howe, who is the managing editor at Red State, um, and, and I, I write for Red State as well, uh, he had a really good post today, um, December 4th, on Red State, and it he says in it, quote, Moore is a petty tyrant, a controversial figure who loves theocracy and hates gays. But there's more to him than that. He's also in really hot water. And he goes on to cite the accusations against him. But I just thought that was, um, I mean, it's obviously very strong language, but it's based in in, in fact. I mean, he's he's spoken out against against gays before, against Muslims um, serving in um, public, you know, public positions. it really he really does from based on his past statements support a theocracy yeah and i mean don't get me wrong i am um i identify as christian and i you know would i mean i, I support christian beliefs i i have christian beliefs at the same time we are not a theocracy we are a democracy and um we can't force beliefs on people we, i mean we have freedom of religion um, in the First Amendment. And let me tell you something. As a Catholic, religious litmus tests don't end well for all Christians. You no, know, they don't. There are groups of us who would particularly uh, not necessarily be included in some ideas, in some people's ideas of what a Christian is. Right. Right. So, um, you know, that obviously gets very sticky, which is why we have a First Amendment mm-hmm. in this country. Um, you know, these are our basic founding principles that suddenly need to be explained um, to people who profess to hold them. People so that's who are been running for fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, that said, you have Roy Moore, who is running in Alabama, who is an accused child molester. Um, you have Doug Jones, who is running against him, and they're pretty much neck and neck at this point. The election is on Dece- or December twelfth. And Doug Jones, as as Kate said earlier, is you know supports is to the left of Hillary Clinton on the on issue, issue of abortion. He's uh, not specified what, if any, limits he would support on the procedure. Right. He said that he would vote against um, the twenty week ban. Right. That's um, popular among uh, proponents of this cause. And again, twenty weeks for those of you who aren't well versed in in. Uh, in the biology of all of this is approximately halfway through a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at the point when some scientists say that um, 
uh, an unborn child can feel pain, mm-hmm. um, which is the premise of where, which is where they got that number, sure. really. Um, and also it comes as um, viability for premature children who are born is continuing to go lower and lower and lower. We had, um, I know, I think I did a story a couple weeks ago in which there was a 21-week old child who was delivered prematurely hmm. and wow. survived. So, you know, you're approaching viability right. um, at 20 week, which I think is for people who don't hold a from the moment of conception belief. I think some people do hold a viability belief. And right. that's essentially now with modern medicine is basically possible viability. So sure. having said all of that, you have Jones, you have more and you have all of their baggage that you have to consider. Um, but there is a third option for Alabama voters. And if if you out there live in Alabama and you're just kind of done with all this and you don't know what to do because you don't want to vote for either of these guys, there is a third option. His name is Lee Busby. Yes. Tell us Um, a little bit about Lee Busby. I have covered him a couple of times. He's an interesting character. He has put himself forth as a write-in candidate. Um, He kind of is painting himself as a moderate conservative um, and pitching himself as an alternative for, for pro-lifers who are disgusted by the allegations against Roy Moore or other issues Roy Moore brings to the table, as we mentioned, the litmus tests and, and the other things. He's also um, an Iraq War veteran. He is an Iraq War veteran. He um, is also once worked for uh, now Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly, Kelly. Mm-hmm. when he was still um, in the military. So he has a White House tie which is fascinating. You included um, something in your story um, that I found that was really fascinating. He now sculpts portraits of military veterans. Yes, he, he does them with clay. He makes kind of like a representation of their faces. That's really cool. Yeah, he was in Southern Living. They did a feature video about him and his art um, prior to all of this, just like years ago, as just like, hey, look at this nice thing this retired army guy is doing for his fellow veterans. Um, and, you know, it suddenly became newly relevant given the news so um and the other fascinating thing that i've seen about lee busby is he's essentially you know a lot of people have assumed that he's doing this because of the allegations against roy moore and he's kind of saying that's not why he's kind of saying he was disgusted by both of his choices prior to the allegations against roy moore and so he won't even say whether or not he thinks they're true he's essentially saying you know the people of alabama deserve you know an alabama moderate conservative Sure. As as an option, and so um, uh, he, you know, here's here's he what he told forward. MSNBC's Morning Joe on Tuesday. He says, "quote And I normally don't have as an extreme reaction to not being happy with choices, but I felt like there was a lot of people in Alabama who felt like me. The more I talked to, the more sense that I got that there's this huge swath in the middle that feels like they're not represented there. Uh, you know, you and you think about that quote, and you see Roy Moore, who is very very far to the right um doug jones who on some issues is a more moderate democrat on issues like abortion is uh, i would argue more of a liberal democrat in that respect um there are there are issues in which he's very moderate oh yeah definitely being Um, from alabama he's yes more modern on an alabama democrat in a lot of ways abortion just isn't one of them and that's it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that puts the nail in the coffin for him because um in a nearby state louisiana um, they have a Democratic governor who's completely pro-life right. and was able to defeat a Republican challenger for that office. So it, w- it would just be interesting to see where the Democrats would be if they 
chose someone as their nominee who was a little bit more in line with the state on this issue. Um, because it's possible. It's possible mm -hmm. to get elected as a Democrat in these deep red, deep south states, you know, if you share certain values you know, mm -hmm. with your constituency. So, um, you, you know, also interesting. You, I'd love to hear. I, I intend to talk to Democrats for life about this at some point because I'm sure they'll have. That would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. 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 Will they actually talk to you? Oh, they talk to me all the time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. We have great conversations, yeah. Not like trying to get Cecile Richards on Not the phone. Not like trying to get Cecile Richards on the phone, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> Did she put a restraining order on you? They screened yeah. my calls. Oh, um, I Which I figured out, actually, fun story, because I was working from my parents' house one day in, my, in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. and they have terrible cell reception. Do we still need a prank call, by the way? Oh, my God. Yes. Those of you who listen to the church boys know what we're talking about. Um, I was working on a story and I called them for comment, but I did so from their landline because I couldn't get a signal on my cell phone. And they picked up the phone. Joke's which, on you! Which never happens when I call <coughs> with, you know, my cell phone or my work phone or, or whatever. So You should just um, try to get one of those Google Voice numbers where you can, like, change, switch out the numbers. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's frustrating, you know, trying to do your due diligence as a reporter and have people who just point blank refuse to talk to you. But anyway, that's another rant for another day, because I think we should talk about uh, another person who's choosing not to rant about certain things and is choosing to subtweet instead. James Comey. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> um, James Comey, for those of you who don't know had a Twitter account for years under a different name. When but he no was one knew FBI. it was him. And he would never tweet. He just kind of had it to like see what was going on on Twitter. And then was it Gizmodo who outed him? I think so, I yeah. think so. Okay. So anyway, some, there was this tech reporter who went way into the weeds mm -hmm. and figured out that it was James Comey because this random account liked one of James Comey's son's posts or something. That's what like gave it away. Um... And so it hinged on, like, his son's Instagram account or something like that. And so um, they figured out it was James Comey. And so he has now owned up to owning the Twitter account and changed his handle to just Comey. At Comey. Go follow him. Which is just a super cool handle to just have your last name. I'm always super I'm surprised that wasn't taken. Of people who, I know. I wonder right? if he like, had to, like, yeah. I don't know, yeah. like, work something out with Twitter, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Calls That's up Twitter true. and be like, hey, I want my I'm, handle at Comey. I'm James Comey. I'll make it worth your while. Um, and he now uses his Twitter account now that he is no longer running the FBI to subtweet, um, essentially. And those of you who aren't on Twitter, subtweet is essentially talking about someone on Twitter without tagging them or including their handle so they don't get a notification that you're talking about them. And not um, just subtweeting them. I mean, this guy is using biblical scripture to, yes. to do this. Uh, yes. Here's what he said. He says, but justice, he quotes Amos 5.24 and says, but justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I wonder who he could have been referencing there. Yeah, that uh, coincidentally was the day that uh, ex-National Security Advisor Michael Flynn pled guilty of lying to the FBI in the Same course day. of their Russia investigation. Same day. So... He so, also you know, included it could a. Could be a coincidence, but it's probably not. Probably not. Probably not. He also included a, a gorgeous picture of um, the the waterfall, the water at, out at Great Falls, Virginia, just outside D.C., which is very close to where he lives. 
So um, I'm sure he gets out there and goes hiking every once in a while, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, um, also, fun fact about James Comey: he is teaching at Howard University now. Um, and it's a historically black college yes. in here in DC. And he is teaching there, and he is donating his entire salary to a designated scholarship fund for students who grew up in foster care. Good for him. Yeah. So good I, for him. Yeah, that's. I always try to work that in whenever I can because I think that's a really cool. I bet Trump uh, fun never fact mentions about that. The former FBI director. Yeah, I think he's too busy, uh, essentially calling him, you know, names and things. Supporting on accused Twitter. child molesters. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yikes. <laughs> yep, I just went there. Comey <laughs> um, is a fascinating character in in this moment we're in in American history because you essentially have one side of the aisle who blames him for swaying the election. You have Hillary Clinton herself blaming him, you know, more than she blames any other factor for her mm-hmm. loss to the president. Um, and then you have... That same to be fair, though, Hillary Clinton blames, blames everything a lot of people. and everyone for her loss. Except but then for you herself. have that same president fire the guy. Right. So you'd think if the guy got Trump elected, you know, Trump might give him a little leeway because mm-hmm. he's done things like that uh, as a rule, essentially. Those of us who observe him on a regular basis can you probably think of some other examples. Um, but anyway, going back to the, the Michael Flynn thing. Again, this is a guy who was um, who was forced out of the White House when he was caught lying to Vice President Pence about his conversations with the Russian ambassador. Right. And you, to this day, have the president defending Michael Flynn because Michael Flynn's he you know, feels a big sorry for Michael he feels Flynn. Sorry for it, but you know, I feel like if I was president of the United States and someone lied to my vice president, I might have some colorful. Thoughts about that? I wouldn't necessarily I if Mike, be out there calling him a great I guy. If Mike who I Pence feel sorry feels for. sorry for um, for Mike Flynn. Mike Pence probably feels more sorry for Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What did I just get myself into? <laughs> Why did I accept this um, role to run as Trump's VP?" So yeah. So then the other fascinating thing is uh, Michael Flynn has apparently agreed to cooperate with the investigation. So it'll be interesting to see. If He's he, about to quack like a duck. Yes, it will be interesting to see if that's in fact. Uh, what happens? Because the charge that he's fa- that he pleaded guilty to is minor, and I feel like Mueller definitely could have has a lot more evidence on Flynn that he probably could have yeah. charged Flynn with, yeah. but he didn't. With the understanding and cooperation that he was going to talk and lead to bigger fish. Yes. Yes. So um, I'm going to say that whoever has talked to Mueller's team thus far, enjoy this Christmas. <laughs> with your friends and family because I'm not sure next Christmas is guaranteed for you to be quite frankly. Well, it's probably guaranteed for you. You just might be spending well, I mean, it in uncomfortable accommodations. Christmas will happen. Yes. It's not that shady yes. where you won't be there for Christmas. You just might be somewhere else for Christmas. You know, like with <laughs> iron with, things right, coming with, like, down from the floor and, to the ceiling. Yeah. Communal toilets. What do they, they call those, um, I think prison, right? Yeah, something yeah. like that. So, we'll see. But Manafort anyway. might be able to Manafort tell you the description of that soon. There as well, right. Um, so then there was another story we wanted to talk about. Yes, there is. Remember, John's pretty fired up about this one. Remember back when Michelle Obama, for, former First Lady Michelle Obama... Was all on the healthy 
bandwagon and wanted to make sure kids don't get fat. And so she helped push through this um, the school lunch program where you basically don't give kids anything to eat during the day and then we wonder why we have some of the lowest and worst test scores and like critics critics said that the meals were too small i'm a critic and i'm saying the meals <laughs> are too small just clarifying when, uh, just so clarifying. because i i was still uh i was still in high school the last the first year of obama's presidency so i got out like just in time because and because I, I, I know some of my friends who were younger than me in high school complaining about the meals. And they're like, I'm bringing my lunch now because this is just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was the school lunch lady, by the way. So, sorry, mom. No offense. Um, I know you're just <laughs> doing your job. You tried. You tried. Um, but, no, I mean, like I, I got out of there just in time. However, with the Trump administration, they are now essentially reversing those um, some of those nutritional standards. And... One of the one of the things that school public schools are going to now be able to do is serve milk with one percent fat. Chocolate milk. Chocolate milk with one percent fat. Mm. Which I feel like is a is. <laughs> John's drink up, kids. DIYing some uh, sound effects for you guys there, so I hope you appreciate that. I think I think we're we scared. <coughs> all three people, all three people listening to this, have officially been scared off. <coughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's just interesting to navigate um, feeding kids appropriately and feeding them in a healthy way um, with you know one size fits all government regulations because those things have kind of seemed like there have been some issues when those things collide. So. Yeah, yeah, I just I'm like and then, I don't know. I just I just feel like one percent milk doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing to give a child. You know, like that's what we drank growing up, and none of us are obese. You I, know? I just so, feel like let individual local school districts figure out what they want to feed their kids. Don't don't mandate it from the federal government. From don't make have Washington D.C. tell you know school districts in Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas what to feed their kids if they if they want their kids to be fat let them get fat i don't care wasn't it isn't that basically what ron swanson says in parks and rec like if in america you want to eat 300 pounds of you want to blow up to 300 pounds you should have the freedom to blow up to 300 pounds that's beautiful i think that's the ron swanson quote (laughs) but again you know they are children and we do want to make sure that uh, particularly children who maybe aren't eating at home or aren't eating well at home are being right. fed and being fed nutritional meals you know we do have to kind of navigate um checking those boxes with you know how do we go about doing that in a practical and reasonable way right right um so and i think one percent milk meets that description oh i long for the day when we can just serve whole milk to anyone <laughs> just give them the real stuff just whole milk all right, well, that concludes our story list, I believe. And if you're not already, we are now on iTunes and Google Play, so make sure that you subscribe to our podcast, JK with John and Kate, on iTunes and Google Play, and make sure to review us while you're there to let everyone know how great we are. If you have negative things to say, then you can migrate off that page and don't say anything. 
Uh, we are also on SoundCloud, uh, JK with John and Kate. And soon we will be on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher as well, so you can find us there. Uh, just more places to make it more convenient for you to listen. Yes. And before we go, I just want to plug, um, there's a Twitter account that is the <laughs> Kate Scanlon Hate Club. So if you're not following them, definitely definitely follow the Kate Scanlon Hate Club. They've got some really great stuff um, on that, on that Twitter feed. The Scanlon Hate Club is run by an individual who wanted to keep me humble when he discovered the existence of the Scanlon Fan Club. I don't believe that. Um... I we can have. I think it's someone who. You know what? Genu- a, I think it's someone who genuinely. On a future you. show, we are going to bring on the person who runs the Scanlon Hate Club. They're going to be a guest on this program. I might be sick that day. I guarantee it. No, you don't want to talk to this person because you guys, I think, share a lot of opinions about me. So we're not revealing who this person is at the moment. No. Okay. No, we're not revealing. But you I know, know who you are. I know the identity you know of this individual. You are. And they will be revealed. At a later date. I do not, however, know for sure the identity of the Scanlon Fan Club account, but I have a strong suspicion as to who it is. So if you run the Scanlon Fan Club account, I'm on to you. Also, speaking of social media, we, this podcast, is on Twitter and on Facebook at J&K Podcast, both places. Mm-hmm. So please find us there, follow us, uh, let us know what you think of the show. We love hearing from you. Um, and then John also has a John Street Media account, which you should also follow. I do, on Facebook and Twitter, and you can uh, find yes. it at johnstreetmedia.com. Yes. And I'll post the podcast on there as, on that website as well. And um, also, those of you who are looking for another podcast to listen to should check out uh, Pure Opelka by our friend Michael Pelka. Michael um, Pelka. Who is a character. Uh, Michael Pelka, if you're be... listening, you should be in D.C. very, very yes, soon. Yes, yes. I will actually be a guest on the Piro Pelka show tomorrow. Uh, uh, Tuesdays, yeah, you were telling me Tuesday's episode. So if you don't get enough of me on this podcast, you have another one to look forward to. So FYI, Scanlon Hate Club, fire up that, uh, that Twitter app. I'm going to try to get the Scanlon Hate Club to retweet me. I'm sure, I'm sure... Come up with that something would with really nasty and have them retweet me. I'm sure that would happen. Don't might, worry. Might send the person who runs that account a direct message and I'm, be like, hey, retweet, please. I guarantee you that the person who runs that account is listening to the show. So they're, I'm sure, on board for your plan. Well, for someone who hates you, they really, I mean, want to hear you, I, I guess. I know. It's, it's a complicated relationship. Anyway, we will <laughs> reveal the identity of the person who runs that account at a later time. Yes, but we will. We are out of time for now. Thank you for listening. If you're still with us, God bless you. Yes, you are. Very Don't know brave. how you did it. You were very brave to make it through. How long have we been talking? Uh, about forty-three minutes. Yeah, if you listen to us, we just and let us know minutes. how many shots you had to <laughs> endure. I'm sure you did fewer shots than John did during this broadcast. I've done zero. I'm having water, and I I served you water in a coffee mug, not a wine glass this time. <laughs> I served her water in a wine glass once, and she laughed at me and made fun of me. But all of our other glasses were dirty, so it had to do. Anyway, thank you for listening. And We'll be back uh, next week. Who knows when we'll be back. Yeah, sure. Next week. Next week. (laughs) We'll make it next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy it. Bye. Bye.